Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. We are in a how-to series, a how-to series, how to go to the bathroom, how to blow my nose. You can look up anything on the internet these days, and it just blows my mind, blows my mind. We can look up how to do just about anything, but it is kind of hard to figure out how to search, how do I live a God-filled life for Jesus? How do I live different than this world? How do I project love in a way that nobody else can do? How to how to? There's so many, so many of us are just looking for answers. So many of us are just crying out for something to just be shown to us. I don't know how many people I get to talk to, how many people I get to share with that are like, I just want to see it black and white. I just want to see it black and white. And all I can tell them is, is sometimes that there's a faith substance thing that comes along with it. And sometimes we just got to believe in what the Bible says, even though we can't physically see it. Because in the tangibles come together, we'll find out that at the end of our days, that that is truth. And if we don't follow that, and we, we'll still find out that that's true. But we're not going to be sitting on the right side of the fence. I was talking to a guy the other day. It's kind of made me funny. He said, you know, there was a story about a guy that was standing on a fence, and God was on this side, and, and the devil was on that side. And, and a guy asked him, he said, where, where do you fall? Do you fall on that side or that side? He says, well, I don't know. I'm standing on this fence. He's like, well, the devil owns the fence. Whoo. Is that the truth or what? It's one or the other. It's one or the other. So we're doing this how-to series, and we've talked about how to renew your mind, how to overcome, how to do relationships. We've talked about how to forgive, and we talked about how to serve. And I heard you guys had a good steaming conversation this morning. No, I wasn't there, so you're all going to have to fill me in later on, all right? It's going to be good. Tonight we're going to talk about how to make a difference in others' lives. And when I was thinking about this and the Lord was showing me things on it, just, just last weekend, he said, before you can make a difference in somebody else's life, you have to do all those things that was talked about the weeks before. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to be able to overcome. You've got to be able to have relationships. You've got to be able to forgive. You've got to be able to serve. All those have to become before you can help others. All right, let's pray this thing in tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your glory in this place. Lord, we thank you for what you're about to do here. Lord, we thank you for the words that are going to come out of your mouth, Father God. Lord, we thank you, Father, for, for the, the seeds that you're planting, for the roots that are going to begin to grow, Father God. Lord, we thank you for hearts that, Lord, that want to reach out and help those around us, Father. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, Lord, 
Lord, for your, for your blood and your blessing, Lord, that you give us the opportunity to help those around us. And, Lord, I ask that you would just fall afresh in this place today, Lord. We bind every devil and demon that would come against us. We plead the blood of the doorframe of this house, Lord. And we pray, pray that you encamp your angels around about us, Father God, Lord, that you are going to show us something tonight, Lord, that, that you're going to show us what it's like to be in a, in a house full of saints just running after you, God, Lord, running after, wanting to help others around us, Father Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for what you're going to do here tonight in Jesus name and they all said amen all right we're going to go to 2nd Samuel 9 and we're going to read the whole chapter and uh it's not a long chapter so it's it's okay we'll be all right we will be okay all right if you have your bibles get there I'm going to start reading so hopefully you can find it all right, starts out. It says, Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I, might sh- that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. They called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom you may show the kindness, to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makur, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. Then King David said, Sent and brought him from the house of Makur, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Here is your servant. David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belong to Saul And to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. And you shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so your servant will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table as one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate at the king's table regularly. Now he was lame in both feet. Everybody say Mephibosheth. Okay, now look at your neighbor and say Mephibosheth. Yeah. Mephibosheth. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right, but hey, Mephibosheth. <laughs> All right, Mephibosheth was the son of the son of Saul, okay? Now, David was the king at this time. David was the second king of Israel. And David came from a field. David was a shepherd, and he was called to kingdom. He was anointed to be a king when he was very young. And David was out 
shepherding the flock. He was the son of Jesse when he was anointed. Now, the first king of Israel was Saul. Saul was chosen also by the same prophet Samuel and was anointed by Samuel. See, the, the Israelites wanted a king. They, before, before Saul, the Israelites didn't have a king. They, they basically were judged by judges that the Lord had appointed over them. And the Israelites kind of got jealous of all the nations around them and said, well, they have these great big kingdoms and they have these kings that they can, they can call ruler over them. And, you know, they, they're, they're basic, basically their ruler was, was able to be seen. They were, they were physically seen. And so for that king to be seen meant something to the Israelites. And they said, they said Lord, we want this. This is what we want. So they were crying out for a king. They were crying out for a ruler. And so the Lord spoke to the prophet Samuel and said, I, I'm going to give you a king. And he's going to look like a king. He's going to be big and tall and broad and handsome. And so the Lord sent Samuel out and met Saul, and, and Samuel anointed Saul, and Saul became king over the Israelites. So the Israelites eventually got what they wanted. They got their king. They got their physical specimen that they could see, even though that God was still their original king. Sometimes in your life, you want to grab a hold of something that you can see to replace something that you can't see, even though the thing you can't see rules the thing that you can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Israelites have this king now, right? And Saul was anointed of the Lord. He wasn't, he wasn't somebody that wasn't chosen of the Lord. He was anointed of the Lord. And he was walking in the anointing of the Lord. And he was doing the things that the Lord had called him to do. He was, he was waging war and he was taking over nations that were, that were bringing bondages and, and, and different things to Israel. He was doing great things for God. And he was accomplishing a lot. But Saul kind of got to the point where he started to compromise his thoughts. He got to the point where, where what the Lord told him to do, he was going to do at the very base and the foundation of it, but he wasn't going to follow through to every last detail. Now, sometimes when we get to doing stuff for a while, we get to that point where we start to, we start to do the main thing, but we lose sight of the detail, right? So this is where Saul's at. He's losing sight of the detail, and he's starting to just try and do the main thing. And, and his heart begins to not become in the right place. Even though he says he's trying to do the right thing, his heart isn't quite where it should be because he really should be going after every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. So Saul screws up. Saul takes over somebody that was really causing the Israelites havoc. And he goes in there and he destroys them. The Lord called him to go in there and destroy everything, every living thing, and get rid of it. But Saul decided to keep the king, livestock, and other things that he was going to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, from hindsight, that looks like, well, that's not such a bad thing. But, but then again, he didn't follow the instructions. So because of, fall, of Saul's shortcoming, the spirit of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord left Saul. And the Lord gave him an evil spirit. And then the Lord spoke to Samuel the prophet again. And he said, I have yet found a man that is after my own heart. Well, Samuel didn't know what he looked like or where he was or who he was. The Lord just told him to go to Jesse's house. Ha! <laughs> know what kind of and full instructions he got, but I think there would be a lot of Jesse's out there. I'm just saying, you know, just pointing it out. So he goes to Jesse's house, and 
Jesse has more than one son, and he brings all these sons before him, and they've got the tall sons, the older sons, the sons that look like they should be kings, and, and all these things, and, and yet his younger son was left out in the, in the field shepherding the flock. And, and Samuel says, none of these sons are the one that, that the, the Lord had chosen. And so he says, do you have another son? He says, yeah, I got one out uh, shepherding the flock. He said, bring him to me. And when, when David came, the Lord anointed him, or uh, Samuel anointed him with oil, and the oil flowed when it was over David's head. It didn't flow when it was over his brother's head. So David was the chosen one of God. David was the second king of Israel. But David wasn't made king right after he was anointed to be king. And this is kind of where we start to find more of a base of where the scripture comes from. And this is important to know because as that anointing had left Saul and the evil spirit had come into Saul, Saul was experiencing a lot of grief and a lot of disheartening and, and a lot of pain and, and certain things like that. And, and he found that music would, would soothe that pain and kind of make that evil spirit draw away. And so he, he asked his servants, is there yet somebody that is really good at playing the lyre or what is called today the harp uh, to, to soothe this pain? And sure enough, David was a skilled harp player. So it's something how when, when the Lord calls you to something that he begins to strategically put you into places and steps that brings you into what he's called you to. And David didn't know what was going on, but yet these servants came and asked him to come play for the king. So he came with his harp, and he started playing for the king, and he was starting to be uh, brought into a place that he didn't know how to get into. I don't know if any of you are there, but you can see where you're going, but you don't know how you're you're going there. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of good stuff here. So David starts to do this here and there when, when Saul calls him. To play and, and Saul and David start to begin this relationship. And, and David liked, or Saul liked David a lot because uh, David was basically the guy playing the harp that took the evil spirit away, right? So it made him feel better. It made him, you know, have a better day than he probably was having. And, and they created this relationship, and the relationship begins to grow. And, and David uh, one day comes and he, he defeats Goliath in the valley, and, and now he's becoming this great warrior. And the anointing of the Lord was heavily upon David. And David uh, continues to go and, and do warrior things, and he's killing tens of thousands of people. And now the people of Israel are realizing that David is more anointed than Saul because they see that the Spirit of God has left Saul and the Spirit and the anointing is on David. And they're starting to give more praise and honor to David than they are Saul. And Saul is still yet the king, right? So Saul is getting jealous. His pride is getting hurt. And now this relationship that he cultivated with David is starting to experience breakup. Starting to experience some kicks, you know, something like that. And, and Saul tries to kill David. Throws a couple spears at him. And David finally gets to the point where he runs away. And he goes into the wilderness and hides and he's out in the wilderness hiding, but yet he still has mighty men with him, and he's still fighting for Israel and doing certain things, uh, and the Lord's anointing is still upon him. And I want to go to 1 Samuel 24, verse 14, and before we read it, I just want to tell you a little bit about this, that Saul was after David, and Saul wanted to kill David, because Saul saw the anointing upon David that once was upon him. And... David was hiding from Saul because he knew Saul was after him. 
So this, at this point, David is in the wilderness. He's hiding in this cave with his men that are with him to fight with him and fight for him. And Saul is, has gone out with 3,000 mighty soldiers, and he's gone out to find one man. He's gone out to find David. He's gone out to find David and kill David. And he's going to try and do this. And they're in the process of trying to go and find David and kill him when they stop right before this cave and Saul, the king, goes in to relieve himself inside this cave and he finds himself in this cave relieving himself and yet David and his mighty men are in the exact same cave and and David realizes the Lord has delivered this man unto me so that I may kill him or remove him or whatever it was. And... 1 Samuel 24, 14, we kind of interrupt the middle of this conversation. And it says, after whom, after whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A single flea? That sounds familiar. If we go back to 2 Samuel 9, Mephibosheth, when he comes before David, he says... I can find it quick. He says, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? So, (laughs) it's quite a correlation because David is yet before this king that's trying to kill him. And he says, what are you coming out for? Are you coming out searching for a dead dog and and a single flea? You came out for one man. You came out for one guy that is pretty much considered dead because you hold the kingdom and I'm nothing before you. Later on in the conversation, David says to him, he says, whether the Lord would call me greater or you greater, what does that matter? David realized that Saul not only was anointed of the Lord, but that where Saul was and where David was, was no different thing. They were both anointed at one point. They were both dead at one point. See, David, David had this thing about God's heart, and, and he really, he really he pursued God because David knew that without God that he would end up like Saul. And that was before he even knew Saul. That was before he even saw that. David knew that there was a separation and I want to get into this comparison a little bit, but I also want to, want to hit one more uh, spot of that conversation. In 1 Samuel 24, 21 through 22, we see, he says, So now, swearing to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's household. David swore to Saul, and Saul went to his home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. So David swore to Saul that he would not destroy his name and destroy and take away his land. So now we have kind of a background, and, and, and God gave Saul into David's hands more than once, and David did not destroy Saul because it was not David's right to kill a man, and I got a story for you, actually. The Lord just reminded me of something. So I was out in Utah doing some stuff for the National Guard for a whole month in September. 
And there was one night where a couple of guys and I, we went out to this restaurant, and we went out to eat at this restaurant. We had been at, to, been at it one time before, and we experienced great service and great food, and we really had fun, and we really enjoyed the time together, and we enjoyed uh, the camaraderie of the, the people serving us and everything. And we go out to this place a second time. And it was wing night, right? It was like 10-cent wings or something like that. I mean, boneless wings. It was good, right? So we're out there trying to get some wings, and we, we go there, and we all order. We all order these huge orders of wings, like, wow, oh, I can eat more than you, and I can eat more than you, and we're just destroying our bodies, and it's really not a good thing at all. And, and the Lord really had us. I mean, he totally had us because they ran out of wings before we even got our wings. You know, he had us covered. But these guys were, were a little upset that I was with. These weren't Christian men at all. And they, we, we proceeded to order different food. We proceeded to get some wings here, some wings there. They were out of wings. Okay, the night had started off badly already. Okay, so we order food, and the food comes out, and, and, and some of the orders are wrong, and, and, and some of the drinks are incorrect. And to, for me, I ordered one thing. And never got anything. They never brought it out, right? So these guys that I'm with are just, just completely blown away. They're like, this is horrible service, wretched service. And they start talking about the service at this restaurant and, and talking about how, how the, the service was so good before, but now it's so bad and how, what little they're going to tip and if they're going to tip at all. And, and, and they're really beginning to throw judgment at at our waitress and our waiter, and, and they were working together trying to figure things out, and they were just throwing more into the, into the pot, and, and now our bills came out, and our bills are incorrect, and we sent them back two or three times, like, hey, this is what we had, this is what we didn't have, you know, this and that, and, uh, and the guys were just, just completely going off the deep end. And I was just sitting there thinking, who are we to judge one person in one moment of brokenness? Who are we? to say what they deserve because of one mistake. Man, it got me. It got me. And the Lord called me to give her more, more than, than my bill was, more than whatever. It was, it was like, and I'm sure that was, you know, what she got. But have you ever been there when somebody's judging your moment of brokenness? Have you ever been there when you're already feeling broken? And somebody just pushes that button and says, you are broken? Maybe you're there tonight. Maybe you're broken tonight. Maybe you're just waiting for somebody to come along and respect you for who you are and not your situation. Because a lot of times I feel like our situations begin to define us. And when our situations begin to define us, we begin to live our situation. If we would live outside of our situation, our situation would no longer define us and our situation would be completely different. How to help others. David says, who is there left of the house of Saul? Who is there left of the man that was trying to kill me? Who is there left of the kingdom that was before me? Who is there left that I can show kindness to? Who is there left? In that day, if you became king and there was anybody remaining of the last kingdom, you went out and you killed them because they were a threat to your kingdom. You went out and you got rid of them. But David is flipping the script. Second king in, already flipping the script. There wasn't really even a script written. Just flipping it. I ain't going to do what everybody else does. 
I'm not going to kill a man that was delivered into my hand because he was anointed of God, and I knew his calling wasn't, what, wasn't for me to kill him, but it was the Lord's judgment that was going to be upon him. He's flipping the script. And now he's, he's defeated all these armies. He's defeated thousands of men, and he's on the top of his throne, and the people know that he's a king, and they know that he's anointed, and they know that he's walking in God's calling for him. And now he's saying, who is there left of the kingdom before me that I may show, show kindness to them? Who is there left that I may show the good, glorious love and kindness of the Father that brought me to the very place that I'm at? And he calls a servant, a servant of Saul. And, and, and he says, there's one man that I know of. His name is Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is hiding. Because he's thinking that this kingdom that was created after my grandfather's kingdom is going to come and try and kill me because I'm a descendant of him. He's hiding. He's afraid. He's fearful of what David would do. He knows they're looking for him. He knows that they want to find him. So David sends his servant out because the servant knows where he is. And he goes and he grabs Mephibosheth and he brings him before David's feet. And David says, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth says, here I am, your servant. And David says, don't fear. I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to destroy you. But I want to show kindness to you. I know that you are a descendant of Saul. I know that you're the son of Jonathan. I know who you are and where you came from. I know your brokenness. I know your victory, and I want to show you kindness. So Mephibosheth says, why would you regard a dead dog like me? David said, why are you looking for a dead dog? <laughs> the thing when David said, why are you looking for a dead dog, is he knew he was anointed of God. See, God uses dead dogs sometimes. God uses people. And he can use you. If you feel like you're a dead dog, if you feel like you're broken, he can use you. He can use you to do a lot if you are willing. So Mephibosheth, why would you regard a dead dog? You see, Mephibosheth was in this place where he was scared. He was fearful. He was hiding. He was broken. He was lame in two feet. He was sick. Why am I good at all? I've been hiding for years, not trying to show my face to anybody, because I don't see anything in this. I don't see anything in this. And this, this king comes along and says, I want to show kindness to you. I want to show kindness to you. Why? Because you're not a dead dog. You may see yourself as a dead dog, but God has called that dead dog out of the cave. He's called that sick dog out of the cave because he's going to heal you, and guess what? He's going to free you. Boy, that's why I got a word of freedom right there. That's good right there. Right? He's going to free you. So this supposedly dead dog is sitting before David. And David says, I want you to eat at my table regularly. He says, I'm going to give you all the land that Saul had. Remember that promise he gave Saul? David not only honored the Lord and his anointed, but yet he honored his promises. 
That was a while ago. This didn't happen just overnight. Well, i got to remember that promise I made, you know. Sometimes we forget those kinds of things. He held that promise. He restored the land, and he said, come, come to my table and eat regularly. I will bring you to my table. He gave him his servants. There's a verse in Matthew that says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. <laughs> There's something when we're walking along thinking we're dead and broken, how the Lord can come along and say, if you just grab a hold of my burden. See, see David was the king, and he was, he was the burden release from Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was, was living in brokenness. He was living in sickness. He was lame. He couldn't walk. But God used David to bring him out of his brokenness and out of his sickness and out of the very situation that he was in. God wants to use you to bring people out of their brokenness. God wants to use you to bring people out of their sickness. God wants to use you to show his glory, that he would be glorified. There was a blind man that his disciples said, who sinned that this man is blind? And Jesus said, no one. He's blind because he's going be, to show the glory of God. And Jesus healed him. And Jesus was glorified. Your broken situation, your sickness, your lameness, your fear and your hiding is going to glorify God. Are you going to make the choice to let that happen? Are you going to be the vessel that is used to make that sick person glorify God? Are you going to reach out and heal some people? Are you going to reach out and tell people about the very thing that brought you out of the hiding place? Are you going to reach out and show those around you that there's something inside of you that is greater than anything here in this world? When I'm talking about how to, to make a difference in other li others' lives, I'm talking about that we don't have to do anything but live the very life that Jesus called us to live. We are the hands and the feet that reach out. God will be glorified. It's not us to do anything. It's not me up here. Jesus is speaking. When I pray for somebody for healing, God showed me something. He said, that ain't your hand. That's my hand touching that person. There ain't no reason they shouldn't get healed. You're my vessel. I'm covering you. Enter prayer like that. Talk to people like that. Expect an answer. Expect a healing. Expect a prayer to come to pass. Expect victory in your life. Because it's there. David was a very reflection of what Jesus was coming to be. David was the king. David was God. Mephibosheth was us. We're hiding. We're broken. We're sick. God said, who is there left that I can show my kindness and love to? And he brought Jesus down. And he said, all those hiding and sick and broken, all those that don't have jobs, all those that are poor, all those that, that can't find a bite to eat, all those that I created, I love, I will bring them out of their hiding place. And guess what? He will bring you to his table regularly. All we have to do is say yes. All we have to do is show up. See, if Mephibosheth 
wouldn't have come along with the servant Ziba, he would have never received what David was offering. It's amazing what can happen when you follow what's calling you. Mephibosheth was called. Peter, Simon, the 12 disciples were all called. Are you going to answer? Are you going to help call? I don't know if you're hiding or broken tonight or if you're looking to help somebody that's hiding and broken tonight. But all I can tell you is that God is calling you and he's calling your friends and he's calling your family and he's calling every person that you've ever set eyes on. He's calling them. And that person that you think that could never receive Christ, he is calling him. He is calling him in his brokenness. He is calling him in his lameness. He is calling him in his fear. Mephibosheth came to the table of David. And you know what the very last portion says? It says, and now he was lame in both feet. Was he healed? No. But he had the mercy and grace to sit at the table. Sometimes we're looking for a healing and we're expecting God to take away all the pain. But he says, my grace is sufficient for you that you may sit at my table. And that's the very message that I want to reflect tonight. Because that's the message we need to reflect to help others. To make a difference in others' lives. That if we're not treating them the way Jesus would treat them, the way David treated Mephibosheth, we're never going to be able to affect the community around us. Because if we keep judging people in the one moment of brokenness, we will never see victory anywhere in our lives. Or theirs. Let's go to uh, Luke 22.30. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and his disciples are having an argument who is greater. And they come to a point in the conversation where Jesus is saying to them that to be the greatest, you have to become the least. And then you'll be the greatest. You have to serve. Remember, we've got to renew our mind. We've got to be able to overcome. We've got to be able to have a relationship. We've got to be able to forgive. And we've got to be able to serve. Where we're at is going to determine where we're going to be. Jesus says, and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He was talking to his disciples, but his invitation to eat at his table daily, just as Mephibosheth got to eat at the king's table daily. It's such a reflection of the relationship God wants to have with you that we don't sit here in this world alone, hiding and fearful, trying to have this relationship with God, trying to be different than the world around us, but yet we can at any moment step in 
to the very dining room of God and sit down and have a meal with the very words that he has to give us. And it's what we do with those words that defines where we go. It's what we do with what God gives us that defines how we can help those around us. God has given each and every one of you something, even those that are here tonight that may, may say, I'm in that hiding place and I'm fearful and I'm broken and I don't know where I'm going or where I've been and I don't even know how I got into this church tonight and I don't know why I walked through those doors and I don't know why this is hitting me to the very core of my heart, but I feel like the Lord spoke to me freedom earlier because there is somebody that needs some freedom in here tonight because they've been experiencing bondage, they've been experiencing brokenness, and they don't know how to get out of it. There are a lot of people in here that are free tonight that can help you. But there is only one to where the source comes from that freed each and every one of us. And I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus is that source. That Jesus is the king calling you to his table. That he came and he died for you. He is the very servant that went out and brought you in. He died so that you can have a seat at the table of God. He's calling you tonight. The table is set, the food is out, the chairs are around it, and many are its members around it. But there are many empty chairs. The table is never full in the house of God. And the chair is not even tucked in. The chair is sitting out. The chair is sitting out. You don't even have to go up and grab it and pull it out. It's sitting out and it's ready for it's ready for your friends, it's ready for your mom, it's ready for your dad, it's ready for your brother, it's ready for your sister. It's ready for your doormate, it's ready for your roommates. It's ready for your girlfriend or your boyfriend. It's ready for your kids. It's ready. Just sitting there. God came and did everything that he was gonna do. He sent his servant. The servant came, called us, died for us rose again for us, took away death for us. Nothing holds us to our hiding place any longer. The table is open. The door is open. The house is huge. God has given us something that I can't even explain. That is so much truth, so much faith, so much more than any of us could ever be. And I can feel it when I worship him. I can feel it when I pray to him. I can feel it when I'm up here speaking the words that he's given to me. I can feel it inside of me. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than this house. It's bigger than this city. It's bigger than this state. It's bigger than this whole nation in the world. His very words built the oceans, the land. His house is ready for you. His chair is open, and the invitation is right there. And he's saying, come, eat it, my table. Eat it, my table. You'll never hunger or thirst again. There is brokenness. There are holes. There are places we've been that we don't want to tell anybody about. There are places that some of us are going that we don't want to tell anybody about. I'm going to hear to encourage you tonight that God has set a table for you. I'm not talking to the crowd. I'm talking to you. God has set a table for you. He's opened a chair for you, and he's called you. And he's asking tonight, will you sit at my table? 
Will you sit at my table? Everything you've been eating of this world has caused nothing but death and destruction. Will you come to the table of God and receive life, wisdom, place of being? Will you come and experience Him in a new way? For those of us that know God, are you sitting at the table stuffing all the bread in, taking all the milk and the eggs and the sausage and the bacon? And are you not inviting anybody else in? As if the food is going to run out. As if the glory is going to go away. As if God has called somebody else instead of you. Are you sitting there just trying to get everything you can get? Just trying to fill up your chair when there's tons of chairs around you that are empty. How do we make a difference in other people's lives? We go out. We speak life. We speak Jesus. We invite those to the table. Thank you so much for listening to the Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.